Welcome to the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. My name is Jeanette Cochran. I'm a pastor, women's leadership coach, and self-proclaimed Jesus feminist. I'm on a mission to inspire and equip women everywhere to own our voice, speak up, create, and lead wherever God calls. Because when women rise, everyone wins. Hey there, friends. Welcome to the podcast. I hope that you have been enjoying some of the recent episodes. I have to say, one of the things that I did not anticipate when I started this podcast was how fantastic it was going to be to meet so many amazing women. I have been able to connect with and meet women that I did not know and hear their stories, and I've been so inspired and just really floored. There are so many of you out there doing incredible work, using your voice and your leadership gifts to make a difference, and I've been thrilled just to meet some of you and to share the stories. And so I hope you've been enjoying and have been inspired by the wisdom and the work that many of the empowered Christian women are doing that I have been spotlighting on the podcast. But today, it's just me. (laughs) I have something that's been on my mind that I want to talk with you about, and it is imposter syndrome. Now, if you are a high achieving woman, which I know you are because my audience on this podcast is attracting women who are leaders, women who want to make a difference in the world and use their voice and their gifts. So if you are listening, you are a high achieving woman who wants to make a difference in the world. And chances are that When you lead in ministry or in your workplace, at some point, you've either heard of or you have said that you yourself struggle with imposter syndrome. I bet if I could ask for a show of hands from those listening right now who have experienced imposter syndrome at some time, probably everyone listening would have your hand raised. I know my hand is raised right now. Imposter syndrome is loosely defined as doubting your abilities and feeling like a fraud. According to research, it actually disproportionately affects high-achieving women and women who find it difficult to accept their accomplishments. Now, when experiencing imposter syndrome, we question whether we're deserving of the success that we've received. We think, you know, our success is just because we've been lucky. We attribute our success to external forces rather than internal gifts and character, or that we've worked hard and earned our success. All of these things are characteristics of imposter syndrome. Well, I work with lots of women leaders, and it's not uncommon for women leaders to describe what's going on for them as far as dealing with stress or self-doubt or not feeling like they fit in. And oftentimes, they will describe that as, I'm struggling with imposter syndrome. And oftentimes, I have thought, you know, I'm not quite sure it is imposter syndrome because One of the things that I do with women that I coach is I help them to understand the concept of an internal critic. 
Each of us has an inner critic. If you are a human being, male or female, you have an inner critic. It's a normal part of what it means to be human. And our inner critic really begins to speak up in situations where we don't feel safe, in situations where we're going to move in a direction where we've never gone before, where we're going to show up in a bigger way, or we have to make change and we're not quite sure how it's going to turn out. All of those things that provoke fear and uncertainty in us oftentimes will cause our inner critic to speak up. So having an inner critic is not a syndrome. Having an inner critic that speaks up and at times tries to silence you or tells you that you don't fit in or you're going to fail does not mean you're deficient or that there's anything wrong with you. And so often, I think we have pathologized our inner critic as something that is deficient or wrong within us, something that we have to overcome. Now, this is not a podcast about the inner critic. In fact, I probably should do a podcast and talk more about the inner critic. But that's not what I want to do here. Today, I want to pull apart imposter syndrome But I want to just help you to realize that this idea of having an inner critic is completely normal. We all have it. The thing is, we just don't talk about it that often. So many times when our inner critic speaks up, we think we're the only one that has these thoughts of self-doubt. And then recently, I came across this article on Harvard Business Review by Rashika Tolshin and Jody Ann Burry. And the title of the article is Stop Telling Women They Have Imposter Syndrome. This article has gotten so much attention. And I think these women are really on to something about imposter syndrome that I want to share with you. I want you to rethink what you've believed about imposter syndrome and especially what you believe about yourself. Now, first of all, I want to acknowledge that this article written by these two fantastic authors, they are both women of color, and the article was written from a woman of color's perspective. And the authors are speaking up and saying that women face biases in the workplace, and especially women of color who face not only gender biases, but also racial biases. So I want to acknowledge that the article is trying to really speak to that group of women, but it does raise the question for all women, for any marginalized group, any group that can be stereotyped and oftentimes experiences biases, conscious or unconscious biases. So first of all, let me talk about the origins of imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome concept was originally developed by two psychologists, Pauline Rose Clance and Suzanne Imes, in 1978. And they developed this concept after studying high-achieving women. And during this time, it was actually called imposter phenomenon, And I do want to point out that this study was only white, middle to upper class women. It didn't even include women of color or women of various economic statuses. So let's just say we know that that is troubling in and of itself, that it doesn't tell the story for all women. But 
in the original study, women who were identified with the imposter phenomenon exhibited symptoms of generalized anxiety, a lack of self-confidence, depression, and frustration related to what they said was an inability to meet self-imposed standards of achievement. Now, first of all, I want us to remember, this was 1978. So just with what you know, imagine being a woman in 1978, and some of you can remember this, 1978, working in a professional environment. How many things in your context do you think might be there that would cause anxiety? How many things in the workplace as a woman in 1978 might cause you to lack self-confidence or even after years of work feel depressed or frustrated because you haven't been able to meet the goals that you set for yourself, that you haven't been able to maybe move forward in the ranks and accomplish the things that you wanted to accomplish. I would suggest that in 1978, that was probably the general experience for many women, if not the majority of women in the workplace. Of course, they felt like a fraud because here's the thing. By the end of 1970, more than half of women had jobs outside of the home, but they were paid 40% less than the men for the same jobs. Furthermore, those women were not shaping the decisions or the cultures of the companies where they worked because those companies were largely almost exclusively led by men. Do you know it wasn't until 1978 that it was illegal to discriminate, discount, or even fire a woman on the basis that she was or might become pregnant? With these kinds of contexts, of course, these women felt like an imposter. Of course, they didn't see themselves as fitting in and worrying that they would one day be found out as not good enough because they were looking around and they were seeing what leadership required and they were seeing masculine models of leadership and organizations that were created with men in mind because men were the majority that had been working in the professional world, in the the workforce in general for so long. Those contexts were created with men in mind. And so of course, these women felt like they didn't belong. That doesn't mean that there was something wrong with them. Tolshin and Burry, their core argument is that the development of imposter syndrome took this fairly universal feeling of discomfort and second guessing of mild anxiety in the workplace, and it pathologized it, especially for women. They say maybe what we've been told to believe is our problem and is, in general, women's problem that we suffer from imposter syndrome, that we have a deficit in us that causes us to feel like a fraud or inadequate, not deserving or not fitting in. Maybe this is actually more the result of the external contexts in which we work and lead. In other words, maybe it's not a you problem. Maybe it's not a me problem. But maybe It is a problem of contexts that are non-inclusive, where there isn't openness to different perspectives and styles and life experiences. 
We've made a ton of progress since 1978. Absolutely. I mean, I'm so grateful to our foremothers who endured much worse conditions than I think I've ever had to face. Although I do want to qualify that with the sad reality that for women in the Christian church, in many church contexts, we are still operating with values and beliefs about women that aren't all that different from 1978 as far as discrimination and silencing and the marginalization of women. Perhaps it's these contexts. Maybe you work in a male-dominated industry. I think of some construction. I know my sister-in-law works in construction, and she shares some of the microaggressions that she experiences with men in the construction field and how often she experiences mansplaining or men that think she doesn't know what she's talking about, despite the fact that she is very competent in her field. Of course, women in male-dominated industries look around and feel like imposters because there aren't enough leaders who look like us. We struggle to find female role models and mentors, but to overcome this, we need to stop trying to fix women and instead fix our organizations so that women are better represented in leadership. The fear of not fitting in, not being accepted can be especially challenging for women who work in male-dominated fields, especially for women in church and Christian ministry, because Many of our faith organizations have handed us indoctrinations that claim authority and male-only leadership as God's created design. And so maybe you don't even believe that today. Maybe you've moved beyond that and you have embraced an egalitarian theology. But that doesn't mean that some of those old messages that you have internalized aren't going to show up when you need to speak up, when you need to give a message, maybe hold a boundary or advocate for yourself or someone else. In those situations, you're going to experience self-doubt. You're going to have anxiety. Because traditionally for women speaking up, it's not always been safe. But we need to stop pathologizing that as that means there's something wrong with us and recognize that it's normal, healthy self-doubt. Now, we do need to figure out how to overcome it. And that's what I do when I work with a lot of women and coaching them to overcome their inner critic. But what I want you to see here is what you often think is something that is deficient in you is completely normal. And it's something that many women face, not because there's something wrong with women, but because we are leading and working and living in situations and in contexts that are not always welcoming to the diversity of our gifts and our styles or our voices. So for example, let me, let's think about the fear of rejection. You know, many of us women, when we have to speak up and give a message that we know may not be readily accepted or might be unpopular, it's not uncommon for us to struggle with that more than our male counterparts. Because for women, the fear of rejection can be uniquely challenging. Here's why. For hundreds and thousands of years, our survival as women was linked to being accepted by our community. 
For much of our history, women did not have political rights. We couldn't own property. We couldn't even get a mortgage or a credit card without the approval of a father or a husband until 1974. So we as women did not have the physical strength to protect ourselves or agency to shape our future. But what we had was the ability to be likable. And so we learned over the years that we needed to shape others' opinions of us. We needed to use relationship and social influence to make our best attempt at ensuring our safety. And so that's been our history. And that still influences how girls and women are socialized today. And so when we hear that voice inside of us saying, you know what, maybe you are not qualified to speak about this. Maybe you just don't fit in here and you need to be silent and let someone else take care of this. Oftentimes that has nothing to do with an imposter syndrome and that has everything to do with the fact that we have some fear that makes complete sense based on our context and our history. And we have a normal, healthy inner critic that's speaking up and saying, hey, are you sure you want to do this? Because it might not be accepted, right? But we've pathologized it and we've made women think, you know what? Women just need to get more self-confidence. The problem is now with you. You've now been liberated, but you're not speaking up. And so that's all you are fought. Now, hear me out here (laughs) because I definitely am not one that plays the victim. I believe that we can only change ourselves and we cannot sit too long pointing the finger at others, expecting others to change. And instead we have to change ourselves. And so I do believe that we have to find the courage and the confidence to speak up and to bring about change and to point out what's happening in some of the contexts and why we do feel like we don't fit in where we see that our workplaces and our communities and our churches are not welcoming of women's voices and we need to be able to speak up and advocate for ourselves all the time. Absolutely. But what I want us to get rid of is this idea that when we struggle in these situations, that we have something inherently wrong with us, that we have a syndrome and that we should have overcome that by now, because that's just not true probably heard what's happened recently to Beth Moore. Beth Moore in the last couple of years started speaking out and sharing the harassments that she has experienced in her faith community. She started speaking out for women and speaking up to say, hey, I think women are called and gifted and should be given a voice in our church communities. And you've seen what's happened to Beth Moore. She's been criticized. She has had horrible things said about her uh, by Christian men and Christian leaders. And she's been completely rejected by her Christian community. So if we think this idea that if we speak up, we're going to be rejected by our community is just something that happens in ancient societies. We're mistaken. It does happen today. It just is fortunate enough that when we are rejected by these communities in today's day and age, we're not going to die because we can provide for ourselves economically. We can still feed ourselves and put a roof over our head, which was not always the case for our foremothers, hundreds, and certainly it wasn't the case thousands of years ago. But that idea that when women speak up, 
In some communities, they are rejected and they are completely ostracized from the community. That happens a lot. It still happens today. Amy Bird is another. If you don't know Amy's story, Google it. Amy Bird started speaking out in her faith community. She wrote a book. She's a brilliant woman. She loves the Bible and she's been speaking up and just bringing a different perspective to the scriptures. And she has been ostracized from her community. Here's the thing that I'm getting at. I don't want to complain about men in our community. We have a lot of fantastic men, and I'm so grateful for the men that are standing by women. But we also have to recognize that it still happens today in 2023. We've got to stop believing that we have imposter syndrome. Stop buying into the fact that if you feel self-doubt or anxious or you don't feel like you fit in, that it means there is something deficient in you. Recognize self-doubt is normal. Don't heap more guilt and shame on top of yourself. There's nothing inside you that you have to fix. You're not deficient. Yes, you do have an inner critic, and that inner critic is going to speak up when you don't feel safe, but that's completely normal. That's some of the work that I do with women that I coach is giving them tools to, first of all, recognize when that inner critic is speaking and tools to be able to turn down the voice of the inner critic and turn up those other empowering voices to really connect deeply with your values and to connect deeply with the spirit of God within you that is calling you to step forward and to make change. There are a lot of tools that I can give women to help them work with their inner critic. But it's not because there's anything deficient or inherently wrong with you. It's because you are a normal human being and you're a woman leading in what is largely a world that has been shaped by masculine models of leadership. It's only been in the last decade or so that we've really started to recognize that there are multiple styles of leadership and to even start to appreciate different styles of leadership that are less authoritarian, less top-down, and more collaborative and open. It's only been in the last 10 years that we've started to recognize that diversity is actually good for organizations and that diversity should be welcomed. And there's still a lot of work to do in our organizations. That's what second generation bias is. Second generation bias, which is really the work that we have to do, says that a lot of the biases that we face are not intentional biases like maybe our foremothers or intentional prejudices that our foremothers faced. But what we, the work we have to do is recognizing that the organizations and the contexts that we live and lead in have been largely shaped by masculine styles of leadership. And we've got to start to recognize in some of these contexts how we need to change and advocate for different differing leadership styles and diverse perspectives to make our contexts welcoming and inclusive for all people. Since Clancy and Imes developed the concept of imposter phenomenon some 40 years ago, there has been so much thought leadership written about it, programs, books, initiatives to address a syndrome in women to try and fix us. But what if the core issue 
never really has been so much about us. And it's been more about the contexts in which we've been socialized and the organizations that we work in, which prioritize masculine models of leadership and traditional male leadership styles. It's only been in the last few decades that companies have started recognizing that there are multiple styles of leadership. And current research shows that many of the qualities that are considered feminine have actually been shown to produce the greatest results in leadership. They actually are the qualities that followers really appreciate and look for in their leaders. Many of them are what are typically feminine qualities. That's not to say that men don't also possess or can't possess some of those qualities. But that is to say that actually, ladies, if we show up as our true and authentic and best selves, that may be exactly what the situation calls for. But we've got to advocate and speak up and start to develop organizations that welcome diverse leadership styles. So let me end with this. Stop believing you have imposter syndrome. I promise you, for the vast majority of you listening, you just have a normal, healthy inner critic that speaks up at times to try and keep you safe when it feels like the context that you're in is not welcoming or not inclusive or perhaps just might not feel welcoming and safe. That's it. There's nothing wrong with you. You see, women don't just need to have a seat at the table. We also need to build new tables. Leadership tables where different styles are valued and where the diversity of race, ethnicity, and gender are welcomed and celebrated, not simply tolerated. Tables where stereotypes and gender bias are shattered so that women can rise to their full potential. Because when women rise, everyone wins. Thanks for joining me for this episode of the Empowered Christian Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe and share it with other women in your network. For more information about me and the work that I do, check out JeanetteCochran.com. And I'd love to hear from you personally. Come join the conversation on social. You can find me on Facebook at Coach or Instagram at Jeanette.Cochran.